0: Good morning to you, and it's a, another great Lord's Day. And I know that your heart is full of gratitude to be able to focus on uh, the wonderful Savior uh, that we're able to serve. Uh, this particular class is starting a new study today on the great questions of the Old Testament. And we're going, to, we're going to focus on the first one of that series. And there'll be different teachers that will be teaching um, with these questions. Uh, if you'd like to have a book that deals with um, this class, then brother, brother Paul has these books. And um, 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 why don't we just wait? Till I, you can go ahead and pass them out. Um, It doesn't matter. If you'd like to have a copy of the book, then that's fine. Yeah, one per married couple right now until we see how many uh, we have. One per married couple. But this is the same author um, of the great questions of of the New Testament, Brother Leroy Brownlow. And um, he also did one in on the Old Testament. He did several good books. If you can find his books, some of them are out of print. Uh, just like the great questions of the New Testament, that book is, is basically really hard to find now. But the great questions of the Old Testament are pretty, pretty easy to find. Uh, but if you can ever find his books, he did, he did a number of books he had an exceptionally good uh, way of relating to people. Um, he did a number of books helping with grief. One of his books that he wrote, one of my favorites, I give them out all the time, is called Jesus Wept. And it deals with grief. So, um, great questions. And as Brent was reading, Uh, He read our first question this morning from Genesis 3. Genesis 3, verse 1 will be our focus uh, this morning. This is a question from who? Who asked this first question here in Genesis 3? Who asked this question? Satan. Satan. So we get a grand introduction here uh, to Satan. To Satan. We're going to try to do three things together this morning. We're going to notice that there is a picture of Satan here in this study. Also, there's an emphasis upon the Word of God in this study. And then there is a picture of man, of all of us in this study. So those are the directions we're going uh, this morning. So let's first notice a picture that is given here of Satan, of Satan. Several observations here. First, we are warned about Satan from cover to cover, from from the first part of the Bible to the last part of the Bible, all throughout history. Here, Here Satan is appearing in the very beginning of time. And from this point onward, we are warned about him. Warned about him. Notice how Genesis 3 verse 1. Now the serpent was most crafty. Subtle is he. Okay. So let me just ask you, can you think, of, um, can you think of, of places in the Bible that mention Satan? Just as we get started thinking about him. Can you mention... And you think about times when Satan appears? Hmm? Job chapter 1 is prominent in our minds. He appears with the other angels or with the sons of God as they present themselves before God. Matthew okay, Matthew 4. What is that about? That is the temptation of Jesus, of the pride of life, and Jesus overcome all three. Okay, Jesus overcoming Satan. In the wilderness, Mike mentions Matthew uh, chapter four. Okay. Uh, what about any other places you can think of where, where Satan is mentioned? In Scripture. Right. So you might want to jot uh, a few of these things, uh, a few of these down. Luke chapter 10. Remember 17 and 18, Jesus has sent out his disciples on a mission. And they had had uh, some good works being done. And Jesus said, you know, I beheld Satan falling. Is that what he said? Luke 10, um, 17 and 18. I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven, Jesus says. In other words, when you do the gospel work, that means that um, you are working against uh, Satan. In Luke 22 and verse... uh, Three, uh, the scripture there mentions how Satan entered into the heart of Judas Iscariot who would betray Jesus. And that same type of reference is mentioned in John 13 and 27 as they all sat there at the Passover supper and Judas entered into the heart, or rather Satan entered into the heart of Judas. The Gospel of John mentioned Satan several times. John eight forty four. 44. John 8, 44 is, a, is one you remember where Jesus told the Jews, you are of your father the devil. Okay. He is the father of liars. He has sinned from the beginning and you are just like him. John 12 and, and 31 Jesus says, now has judgment come to the world and now has the prince of this world being cast out. Jesus was able to say that because he was just about to head to the cross, die for the sins of the world. Satan is going to begin to lose his power, prince of this world. And Paul in his epistles mentions Satan a number of, of times. Number of times. He calls him in, in 2 Corinthians 4 and verse 4, the God of this world has blinded the minds of the unbelieving. Remember that? 2 Corinthians 4. And check in your Bibles, 2 Corinthians chapter 2, as well. You'll notice that Paul mentions that we are not going to be outwitted by Satan. For we are not ignorant of his devices or his designs. See that? Also in 2 Corinthians. 2 Corinthians chapter 11. Verse 13, Paul says, There are false apostles, there are deceitful workmen, disguising themselves as apostles of Christ. And no wonder... Because even Satan disguises himself as an angel of light. There's Satan mentioned again. James 4, you remember, around verses 7 and 8 says, Resist the devil and he'll do what? He will flee from you. Peter mentions in 1 Peter 5, verse 8, that he's like a roaring light. What? Like a roaring lion. Revelation mentions Satan several times, like Revelation uh, chapter 12 mentions Satan being that old serpent. So notice the connection between Revelation 12, 1 and 2, Revelation 12, 9 and 10, and Genesis 3. Okay. The Apostle John looks back at Genesis as completely credible history. Not some fairy tale. This is credible history. Satan is real. Okay, so first thing that we see about Satan this morning is that we're warned about him from cover to cover. From the beginning of time onward. A second thing we can see about Satan is that he will use every means possible to take us down. He will use every means possible to take us away from God, when it says in Genesis three verse one that he was most crafty, this is what this means he he will stop at nothing to encourage us to sin and to leave God. We just mentioned second corinthians two eleven Paul says we 're not going to be outwitted by Satan because we 're not ignorant of his devices well it's good for us to to um, to stay on top of his devices. We don't need to be ignorant of his devices. And what are his devices? Mainly deceit. Mainly deceit. Did you listen to what Brent read there from Genesis 3? As the woman explained herself. She said, "She said the serpent deceived me. And then I ate. Okay, that's his primary. But whatever he can do to deceive us. Whatever he can do. He will stop at nothing. And you know that a roaring lion, if he's hungry, then he will be on the prey all the time. So a second picture of Satan this morning is is really the fact that he will stop at nothing. He will use everything at his disposal. Whether it be... Conditions in the world, whether it be a family member, whether it be a friend, whether it be a stray thought, it doesn't matter to Satan. Whatever he can use to take us away from God. We, we're, we're introduced here to a, a grand picture of Satan. Mike's saying a lion will put his head to the ground and it will vibrate and confuse the prey. And um, that's a good picture of what Satan does. Anything he can do to confuse his uh, subjects, then he will do that. Here's a third thing about Satan. He shows up in the most beautiful places. He shows up in the most beautiful places. Go back and read again in Genesis 2 about the Garden of Eden. And it's beautiful. And God so orchestrated it and caused those rivers to run out in such a way that it brought food and plants that were very pleasant to the eyes of man. Genesis 2, verse 8 and 9. Just look how beautiful that garden was. And there Satan is. Satan is. This is a little bit different, isn't it? It's a little bit surprising. We had a patch of woods when I, growing up that we played in like crazy. And, and there was a place, I would say, uh, 50 yards behind our house in the midst of the woods. It had n- there was no explanation for it. There was just this hole, hole. And it seemed to have, we would drop things down in this hole And it seemed to have it was like it was bottomless. So we called that, we called that the place of Satan when we were little. That's that's the devil's hole. Okay. Because we pictured the devil being down there. Okay. And it was kind of marshy and grown up, and it was just a picture of Satan. You remember that instance when Jesus healed a demon possessed man? And the demon-possessed man was, was so out of control they had to chain him. In fact, where did this the demon-possessed man live and stay? Yeah, out there at the cemetery. Among the tombs. That's right. That's the place where they put him. And, in, and first of all, in our minds, we think that's, that's where Satan belongs. That's where Satan hangs out. He hangs out around the creepy places. But that's not really true Satan is found in the most beautiful places. The most beautiful places. As Julie was mentioning a moment ago, he showed up in the very presence of God. Job chapter one. That's a beautiful place that there ever was. So we need to be on guard that he will show up in, in the most pleasant places. He will show up at our vacation spots. He loves to hang around The most beautiful places—those beaches, those mountains. Okay, he's there. He loves it. He loves it because he can use those vacations to to draw us away from the assemblies of God, to draw our mind onto ourselves, onto our flesh, onto our our pleasure. You know, Second Timothy three one through five. It says in the last days there will be lovers of self, lovers of money, lovers of pleasure, but not lovers of God. It's where Satan hangs out. He hangs out on the beaches a lot. A lot of alcohol there, a lot of nudity there. Okay. He loves to hang out in these beautiful uh, places. So we need to be on guard. Be on guard. It's not much more beautiful than when you see mom walk into church with her little ones it's not anything much more beautiful than a young family growing up but that's where satan likes to get you see those beautiful places he likes to get inside marriages he likes to get inside families and he he works on families through tv and through media and he loves to be there he's, he's not hanging out at the cemetery he's looking for these beautiful spots and He's even here this morning. He will, He loves to show up at church assemblies, and and as long as we we can we can worship God as long as our mind is not on God. Right? As long as our focus is somewhere else, Satan doesn't care if we worship God. He knows that it's not true worship if if our mind is somewhere else. You see. So let us be on guard. He shows up to the most beautiful places. Now here's a fourth thing about. About Satan. He works against people through people. He works against people through people. Now, Brother Brownlow here in the book makes a good observation. He says the reason on this occasion that Satan works through the serpent is because there's no other people on earth yet. And I think that's a great observation because from here, this point on, basically Satan works through people, other people. Okay. As we mentioned a little bit ago, John eight forty four, Jesus told religious people, Pharisees and Sadducees, He told them, "You are your of your father, the devil." You might glance over Acts uh, chapter uh, thirteen when Paul first began his missionary journey, he ran into this false prophet by what was that name? Sergius. Sergius. Is it Sergius Paulus? Yes. False. No. No. See, that's not right. A Jewish false prophet by the name of Bar-Jesus. And he was with a man by the name of Sergius Paulus. Bar-Jesus. Bar-Jesus had another name, Elamus. Elamus was a false prophet. Bar-Jesus was a false prophet. And Paul looked at him, Acts 13, verse 10, and said, You son of the devil, you enemy of all righteousness, full of all deceit and villainy, you are. Will you not stop making crooked the straight paths of the Lord? That's Satan at work right there. Satan is working right there through um, this man named Elimas or Bar Jesus. So Satan works against people through people. And we read Luke twenty two, three a minute ago, and also John thirteen twenty seven Satan entered into the heart of Judas Iscariot. Now we can resist Satan, according to James 4, 7 and 8, and he'll flee from us, but we've got to resist him. Judas did not resist him, and he entered into his heart. Now we see Satan entering into a most beautiful garden, the Garden of Eden. Did, G, did did Satan enter into the Garden of Gethsemane? I think
1: the apostles slept instead of keeping watch. They were trying to help them to, instead of doing what they should be doing, give
0: them to their own. He did in the garden rebuke the. The apostles for, for being sleepy instead of being focused. Think about it further though. Did Satan enter into the garden against him? Did they arrest Jesus in the garden? Who come to arrest Jesus? Who, who was the leader? Judas. And we're just reading that Satan entered into the heart of Judas Iscariot. And then here comes Judas and Satan into this beautiful place where Jesus often went to pray the Garden of Gethsemane. So now we see Satan in the Garden of Eden, but also we see Satan in the Garden of Gethsemane as they arrest Jesus and take him away. So he works against people uh, through people. And then here's a a fifth thing about Satan that that Brother Brownlow brings out in his book also. And that is, he takes on the role as a minister. Okay. He takes on the role as a helper. That's what he's doing here with Eve. Eve, you're not going to die. Eve, God's just holding back some knowledge from you that he will eventually give you anyway. You're not going to die. You can eat. You can go ahead and eat. Okay. That's what Satan does often. He shows up not as a villain, but as a helper. Rarely does Satan show up as as, a, as with a with a pitchfork and, and with all dressed in in uh, red and black outfit. You know, he's here to help. Satan is here to help you. Of course he is. As we read in Second Corinthians 11, he he appears as an angel of light. You see, not as a demon of darkness. It's not what Satan's about. He, want, he shows up as a minister, as, as a pastor, as an elder, as, as an angel. You know, He's here to help you. Okay. We see that play out in life. Alcohol is not bad. It just helps you relax. Right? It just takes the edge off. Nothing wrong with that. Nothing wrong with a little alcohol. That's Satan at work. Abortion's not about murder. It, it's about your personal rights. It, it's, about, it's about the health of a, of a woman. It's, it's not about murder. Satan's here to help. He's here to help. Okay. Mechanical instruments of music, there's nothing wrong with that. It, it, use those things because that will create more unity uh, in the ultimate body of Christ. You see, that's Satan behind that thought. And, and, and he's here to help. He's, he's your, he's your guiding light. Is what he is. And so he takes on the role as a minister. As a minister, Brother Brownlow brings out First Timothy four verses one and two. This minister of, of so-called light has doctrines. First uh, Timothy two four, or First Timothy four one and two mentions doctrines of demons. Okay. Satan has things that he teaches. So that's the, that's the thing about Satan. So that's the fifth thing about Satan is he takes on the role as a minister. But the big thing about Satan, big thing about Satan, is he attacks and fights the Word of God. That's what he's doing here in Genesis three. He attacks and fights the Word of God. What's he trying to do to the Word of God here in Genesis three? What do you think? Perverted. He's trying to pervert it. How's, how so?
1: also there and, it's, and then it goes to the Lord uh, in 15 the Lord God took the man of the new in the Garden of Eden to tend and keep it and the Lord God commanded man saying of every tree of the garden you may eat freely but it's a tree of knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat for in that day you shall eat it you shall surely die now Adam has to take that word verbally after the was his wife name, made and he has to verbally Okay. so once he exchanges that with his wife we can eat of any tree in the garden and not the tree with the people and she thinks it also means you cannot touch it now maybe Adam said that don't even touch it and she thought that was God's word mm-hmm. so you
0: always have to go to God's word and know it explicitly okay you gotta read God's word closely sure so you. When
1: one word, not. He added to
0: God's word. Uh, she said, Eve had, don't touch it. Yeah. So Satan added the word "not." There, you shall not surely die. Okay. Notice his question in Genesis three one: Has God said, "You shall not eat of any"? Now, is that what God had said? God, all this was made for Adam and Eve to eat, except for the one. The tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Okay. But all the tree of life, go eat. Work it, eat it, enjoy it. Okay. But he, he attacks the word of God by twisting it, by changing it. Okay. And that's why we must be on guard. We look to the word of God. So he, his primary emphasis is to attack the word of God, to deny the word. Look how straightforward Satan is. God said, you shall surely die. Satan says, you shall not surely die. What does the word of God say? The word of God says, God made them male and female. What is Satan saying about that today? Just outright denying male and female. Isn't that incredible? But That's what Satan does. He'll just take the very opposite position of what reality is, what God is. You shall not surely die. You're not male and female. Where'd you ever get that idea? No. So that's what he does. He attacks the word of God, he twists it, he will take it away. You recall in the explanation of the parable of the sower, Luke 8 11 and 12, Satan is brought up as Jesus explains the parable of the sower. Luke 8, now the parable is this, Jesus says, the seed is the word of God and the ones along the path who are those who have heard, then the devil comes and takes away the word from their hearts so that they may not believe and be saved. Whatever Satan can do to keep the word out of our hearts is what he'll do. Sometimes he works on our hearts. Sometimes he tries to change what the word says. 2 Corinthians 4.4 The God of this world has blinded the minds of the unbelieving. So he's working both on our hearts and he's working to try to change what people think the word of God actually says. So it's just an outright assault on on what God has said. Now, Let's pause right here for a second. Why is there such an importance with the Word of God? Why, why does Satan know that there is such an importance on the Word of God? Why, why does he know that's so crucial? Okay. What, what is there about the Word? What is there about us? Okay. You remember uh, Jesus, I think it was in John 6, looked to Peter and said, Will you also go away? Peter said, to whom shall we go? Thou hast what? Thou hast the words of eternal life. Satan knows we have nowhere else to go. Without the word of God, we are lost. Satan knows we cannot trust humans. We cannot trust ourselves. Remember Proverbs uh, 3, 5, and 6 says trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. Don't do that. Don't lean on your own understanding. Satan knows we can't trust ourselves. Satan knows we can't trust our feelings. Proverbs uh, 14, 12 says there's a way that seems right unto man, but the end of those ways are death. Satan knows we can't trust our feelings. Satan knows we can't trust our own hearts. Jeremiah 17, 9 and 10 Says the heart is deceitful above all things, It's exceedingly wicked. Our heart can tell us one thing, and that can be the very opposite of what uh, God has said. We cannot trust other people. Jesus warned about the false doctrines and commandments of men, Matthew 15, verses 8 and 9. Some teach as their doctrines the, the, the false commandments and, and doctrines of men. Okay. And so Satan knows this, and we must understand. Just how vitally crucial it is that we are with God in his word. And Satan is going to be working all his might to get us away. And so a picture of Satan here in Genesis 3, it comes down to his outright attack on the word of God. And notice also one other thought about Satan. And that is sometimes he will ask questions with an with a ulterior motive or with an ulterior motive. He's coming at us with some curiosity. He's pretending to be interested. He's pretending to be curious. He's pretending to have our good in mind. And, and he works through people, remember this. And sometimes people will bait you about religion in order to try to embarrass you and your religion. They'll try to, in the fishers of men class, we called this, they're going to try to put you on the hot seat. And there are certain questions that they will get to. Okay. Are those in the church the only ones going to heaven? That's a hot seat question. Okay. What about mechanical instruments and music? Okay. What about marriage and divorce? Okay, What Satan wants us to do is just jump right in there, Okay, pull up and get into an argument. Okay. The correct thing to do, the correct thing to do is simply say, I would love... To study the Bible with you about these subjects. When can you sit down with me? Is there a good time? When's the best time for you? And then you start in the scripture. Okay. Both Bibles open. That's not what Satan wants. Satan wants an argument to take place. He wants some embarrassment to come to the church. And that's what he's doing here with Eve. He's asking a question with a with an altar, an altar motive in mind. He has another thing and he, he accomplishes what he set out uh, to do. People who use the Bible like
1: the verse about judging not. Yeah. They use that all the time. You point out something's wrong well, you
0: can't judge it. Yeah. That's I hear it all the time. Yeah, that's that's another hot button thought is uh, you're judging. You're judging.
1: Okay. they can gain knowledge true knowledge and, you know, like, that's yeah.
0: what I think here's some knowledge really you to learn that yeah. so, that's so true but again the same thing with, with judging is would you like to see what your Bible has to say about that usually don't want to do that I don't want to open my Bible I'll just throw that out at you but what about just sitting down and, and would you like to read and study with me the Sermon on the Mount where Jesus mentions that that's, that's what we ought to do. When they say that, that stops us from
1: having the discussion because we don't feel we to pull out error or we're pulling ourselves, you know, but it stops us because we're not letting the Bible be speaking. Right. And that's what we're
0: going to that, do. And that's a good way of responding to that. I'd say I, I just say, I believe to let the Bible speak for God, and so... What about you, would you like to sit down? When's a good time to sit down and talk about this? Um, one of the great principles to, that I try to keep in mind is James 1, 19 and 20. Uh, it's talking about receiving the word of God there. Be uh, swift to hear and slow to speak. Okay. And then he says this, for the wrath and slow to anger. Quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger. For the wrath of man cannot work the righteousness of God. You cannot properly study the Bible if you're angry. You can't do it. Don't even try. And so we don't want to be arguing. And that's what Satan wants to draw us into. He He wants to throw that bait out there. But... To be able to understand the Word of God, you've got to be of a, of a peaceful heart and a calm mind, trying to help others, but uh, in, in the Spirit of the Lord, not the Spirit of Satan. All right, let's quickly look at uh, how man is pictured here in Genesis 3. First, man is pictured as being create, created in the image of God, which is huge because God has given him uh, the ability to choose. okay. Uh, I always think of it this way. Think, feel, choose. We're able to do that. Animals are not able to do this. But we're able to think, feel, and choose. Think, feel, and choose because we have a soul. We have a soul because we're made in the image of God. There's a part of us, the inside part of us, that's like God. So we're able to think, feel, and choose. Learn, think, feel, and choose. And so that's the position God put us in Choose you this day whom you will serve, Joshua 24, verse 15. And so Adam and Eve must choose, must choose. Even though they're in this beautiful garden, God has blessed them tremendously, but he's not going to make the choices for them. Second thing about man, Brother Brownlow brings this out really well. Man is always set between God and Satan. Always. Always. Every day we wake up, we have a choice between God and Satan. And James 4 is so good about this. Resist the devil, draw nigh to God. Okay. That'd be a great passage to really contemplate with this lesson. Resist the devil, draw nigh to God. Right there in that little paragraph of James 4, what is it, 6 through 10 or so? That's every day. That's, That's our position on this earth. We're right in between God and Satan. And then man is pictured here as needing a lot of defense. Brother Brownlow closes this chapter on the fact that we need defense. And he gives us three or four suggestions there. First of all, he gives us the suggestion of 1 John 4, verse 1, where he says to try the spirits, in other words, test what people are saying to see whether it is of God because there's many false prophets that have gone out into the world. Notice what John says, there's not two or three false prophets. There's not just a bunch of them. There are many of them. Okay. And we must test what people say with the scripture. Okay. So that's first piece. Second piece of advice is pray and watch because the devil is as a roaring lion So we must pray. Jesus teaches us to pray not to enter into temptation. That's the best way to to go about it is to never get to that temptation spot in the first place. So we pray, uh, help us not to enter into temptation. Deliver us from evil. And then, so we test the prophets and we pray and then especially... Uh, he says you need to think about Ephesians 6 and the Christian armor. Put on a, a whole armor of God, every bit of it, whole armor of God, that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. Ephesians 6, 10 through 13. And we remember those pieces of armor. Put on the belt of truth, the breastplate of righteousness, the shield of faith, The helmet of salvation, the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Having your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. You see how important the word of God is to keep us protected? Every piece of the armor, the Christian armor, is associated with the gospel or the word of God. So, what a great question here. The question comes from Satan. But it helps us because we've got to know how he works. And that's what this first question is all about. Let's have a prayer and then we'll get ready for worship. Lord, help us today as we carry on our worship, as we get ready to worship in spirit and truth. We thank you for your goodness, O Lord. Thank you for our Savior. We're thankful that we have the tools in a relationship with you to fight against Satan. Thank you for the grand hope of heaven up above. In Jesus' name, amen.